This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are Jim Spence and Sean Hamilton. Well, gentlemen, better start with this as another St. Johnson semi-final. They come around quick, don't they, Sean? I mean, dearie me, I just had to, I just had to update a piece I wrote about the the. Uh, it was the ten League Cup semi-finals that St. Johnson had been in. Did that before the the Hibs one, and there we are, still in the same calendar year, and it's 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 now uh, it's now eleven, about to become twelve. Where's your uh, Where's your optimism level sitting? I say compared to say, I mean, can you? So much has happened since that Hibs semi-final, but can you remember how you were feeling going into that one? Were you pretty? Were you cautiously optimistic back then, or were you were you were you fearing fearing the worst when Saints were about to play Hibs? The form wasn't great at the time no, then. No, I would say last season League Cup semi. I was I was cautiously optimistic, but I think if you'd asked me at the time how I felt, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said I was dreading it. Um, I probably, I probably did is, ask you at the time. You can I'm somebody sure you did, right? podcast. Before. I'm sure you predicted. Oh, you were, you were, you were, you were glass half empty about them all, Sean. Weren't you? <laughs> that's st- ah, standard ah, practice for natural me. Natural pessimism. It's, it's <laughs> self-preservation. It does you know how. Self-preservation. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, I, again, this is a strange thing being a, a, a St. Johnson fan as well. But <laughs> I'm sick of semi-finals. Do you know? Yeah. You only get up for finals <laughs> these days, don't you? That's it. I've had enough of them. And I mean, I only say that half glibly because, I mean, I think back certainly over the last, God, I suppose it's almost pushing 20 years now, really, but the last there's 15 certainly. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of semi-finals yeah. in there. Um, yeah. And obviously we've, we've, we've had, the, had the ones that we, that we won last season. Before that, it was unbroken misery. <laughs> So, uh, I think that kind of uh, it possibly uh, accounts for a bit of the vibe around this one. Uh, and, and oh, there's definitely from from you're right from from a writing point of view from myself and just you just you gauge sort of stuff out there on social media and just you, the chat and all the rest of it. It it does it does feel like we're in a place where you're right, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just it it's. To quote that oft used that overused phrase, it is what it is. St. Johnson have got to a lot of semi-finals. They've won two trophies. You don't all of a sudden think, "Wow, this is a semi-final we're in," do you? Particularly in this competition, no. when it doesn't take. It feels like it. Although Saint, Saints had to play the group stages this time, but I mean, in the past, they've got to semi-finals, haven't played like two games, you know, and things like that, you know. But you're right; there is a very much that is where St. Johnston are at these days, isn't it? You know, they, they get to semi-finals, don't they? Well, they do, and I, and I think also last last season. I mean, I suppose it was an anomaly. You could call it an anomaly in the sense that I mean, you get to two semi finals and, and and you don't play either half of the old firm and one of them, um, which is something you would come to expect. There have been the odd occasions when we've we've played a non old firm team in semi finals over the years. I'm specifically thinking, well, the Absolute first one that jumps to mind yeah. is a nightmare against Motherwell. Oh, that one, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a shocker, but mostly it's been against one half of them, or at least the top, the top ranked team left in the competition. So I mean, I suppose last season you, you could say that Hibs were that maybe in the in the, in the League Cup at that time. But um, having played two semis against Hibs and St Mirren, and, and now now we've got Celtic, it's almost like right, well, here we go back to reality, and it it does feel like a 
like a tougher prospect than either of the ones last season, I think. Just, just it didn't when the draw it. was made, didn't it? It was funny because things things change so much when there's a gap. But I remember thinking at the time Celtic were, were toiling. They certainly hadn't found any rhythm. Hibs were flying. Rangers, they weren't flying, but you still think Rangers are the favourites. And at the time, there was an argument, and I probably subscribed to it myself, that actually Celtic is possibly the draw you want out of those three. You know, not now. Aye. No, no. I mean, you, now you, you face the prospect of going to face a, a pretty high-scoring Celtic team. All right, there's defensive vulnerabilities there. I think they've been exposed a few times, but they, but they score a lot of goals. So, yeah, it's 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 a tough prospect on paper. Um, so, I mean, on a scale of one to ten, where's my optimism? Uh, ten being wildly optimistic, <laughs> zero being not at all. I, I'll give it a bit of three. <laughs> I love it, love it. Right, Jim, I mean, you know, obviously you remember the United glory days when it was it was a similar thing that we're talking about to now. United just expected to get to semi-finals in both competitions. The sort of, you know, the the fans do get blase. They get it. Just it. You can't you can't avoid it when it becomes your habit. That's how it is. But and the the good side of it is, from a player's point of view and a management point of view. It takes away that fear factor. It takes away the, you know, the glass ceiling has long since been smashed. St. Johnston, it closes the gap between St. Johnston and Celtic, doesn't it? Because, you know, they're Celtic. They're the ones that, you know, Postacoglu's not won a trophy. They'll, you know, they all, their fans will be expecting it to be an old firm final. Hibs will have their say, you know, it's, it's St. Johnston are not the rank underdogs that they would usually be against a Celtic, a, a an on-form Celtic team in a semi-final, are they? No, um, I think, you know, it's quite interesting that uh, there's not quite to the manner born these days with Saints, but not far off it, you know, I mean, they're going into this, they've um, a couple of cups under their belt within, you know, within the one uh, the one year. Um, they're meeting a Celtic side, who's certainly finding form again, but under a manager who hasn't, uh, well, I, could, God, I, I couldn't help but uh, think back to when it was a Bairn, I was actually Saints first ever, well, first of all, final, the League Cup final when they lost to Celtic 1-0. They're, they're a very good side away by then. The Henry Halls and the John Connollys of this world, you know, Ian McPhee and all the rest of it, you know. So, I mean, in those days, uh, finals and Hamden appearances were an absolute rarity for Saints. That's not that's not been the case um, in recent times. And and there is, um, you know, there is an element about this. It's not even St. Johnson as a team. It's St. Johnson as a club who, you know, it, it, to me now it's almost impossible to think of Saints other than as a top Scottish side. And I think that helps me. I saw, you know, I was reading your piece yesterday in the Courier, your the interview with <coughs> Derek McInnes and talking about maybe swagger um, and silverware could help Saints. He used, that, he used that word a few times. Ah, well, and, and there's, there's no good reason, you know, there is no good reason why Saints shouldn't have a certain swagger about them, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, in terms of footballers in most sports, you know, I mean, 70% of it is obviously in, 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 you know, the actual ability to play the game well, to, to be good enough to compete and all the rest of it. But a good 30%, maybe more, is is, is in the mind, you know, the, the psychology of the players and of the management and the club and all the rest. And the Saints have got a guy in charge who is, is you know, is... Um, He's the calmest manager on the planet, I think, Callum Davidson. He's neither up nor down. He's an absolute steady Eddie. He gets his tactics spot on. He gets his approach spot on. Um, and the, there's an equilibrium about the club. But I think a lot of the players are like that as well. So this is a Saints squad 
and uh, not just a team, but it's a squad, uh, which is very tight. It's very tightly knit. Given the fact they lost, you know, two of their main stars um, in, the, in the last transfer window, but this is a squad that I think has a real tightness about them and a real sense of belief about them. There's never a sense of panic uh, about Sage. So while that said. I would still tend to think that Celtic are probably the favourites. I'm sure they're the bookies' favourites. Um, and and they're, if I'm being blunt, they're probably the favourites for me as well. But they're not overwhelming favourites. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if St. Johnson emerged victorious from this. My suspicion is that Celtic might well sneak it. But, it, it, you know, this is not a, a final. It's not a semi final where you think Saints are going down their lamps to the slaughter. Those days. Uh, you know, are so far in a dim and distant past that, you know, those of us who are keen students of the game can't even remember them. So Saints, I think, have got a terrific uh, chance here, particularly given the fact that, Ro- I mean, I think Rooney's available again, isn't he? Rooney's... He is, yeah, he's yeah, back yeah, in. The talisman. So, you know, it's um, all to play for, to use that horny old fo- uh, football phrase. Sean, l- looking into the, drilling into the detail of the actual game, I, mean, I watched Saints were by... F- they certainly weren't anywhere near their best in the game at Celtic Park, the recent game at Celtic Park. But for all that, the first half hour, their tactics worked pretty, or, or whenever it was when Celtic scored their first goal, it was around about the half hour mark, I think. The tactics were working pretty well, and Celtic weren't carving out anything really to, to trouble Big Xander. It was just it was just an error by Callum Booth with a ball spinning up deflected. He 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 got caught in two minds, didn't come to meet it, and then uh, Celtic cashed in. The t- the tactic is it will be it will be something similar. Obviously, they'll want to get out a bit more to you know hold on to the ball when they get the chance to get up the pitch. But if you can get to if you can get to half time, I mean, I don't you know it'd be great if they could get to half time. 1-0 up as they did with Hibs last, last season but if they can get to half time at 0-0 as they, as they could have done at Celtic Park then it becomes a totally different game doesn't it because I mean the pressure will be cranked right up on, on Celtic in that, that second half mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean w- weathering a storm actually I mean you, you think about the um, I mean the final with Hibs to an extent but certainly the semi against Hibs there was a bit of a storm that had to weather there as well, and then went and won up, and and from there it changes the game. So that's certainly a, a way to play a semi final, and and that'll, there'll definitely be an element in that because you would expect nothing less than Celtic coming at it straight from the start. Um, and they're going to they're not going to start gently uh, with St Johnson. I don't think they'll 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 go for it. Um, so they'll 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 have to be an element of tactical discipline at the start. But as you've said, Callum Davidson's side have, have always had that and that gives you a chance uh, in big games as we've seen. So, yeah, um, that's, the, I mean, and, and also to f- further to that point, early in games hasn't really been a problem for St. Johnson of late. They've actually started games quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think particularly about Hearts and about Dundee United, not so much against St Mirren, but that was just a dreadful, <laughs> a dreadful game all round. Um, but certainly against Hearts and against United, they, they started these matches really, really positively and 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 did and got themselves in front. So there's there's certainly an element of it that the tactical discipline that Callum Davidson gives his teams, allied with the way they've started games, that gives them a chance early on. Definitely, um, the the tester. 
will will come later on in the game. Um, if they can, if they can start that way, if they can keep it tight, if it's nil nil at halftime, if they're ahead at halftime, it'll be fantastic. But if it's nil nil at halftime, the test then becomes the second half because that's where St Johnston have have sort of slackened off um, in recent weeks. Um, now there, there, there may be personnel issues for that. Again, there's not a huge squad there to, to pick from, and of the ones that are available to pick from, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Callum has his favourites uh, that he trusts. Again, big word for Callum, which is understandable. He, he goes to guys who've done jobs for him before, but I think there's 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 perhaps been an issue with with just people being knackered. And running out of gas, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, later in games. So that, that's an United issue. United Hearts games, yeah, yeah. So the, listen, there's a, there's definitely a chance early on because because of the the tactical awareness that, that those Saints players have got, thanks to the manager, and they are capable of carrying those instructions out, as we've seen countless countless times. So it's it's if if they can if they can get in no no they've got a chance but again that's that's where it becomes a real test because that's where they've fallen down in recent weeks so that's that's where the questions are going to be asked first half I'm more confident second half that's where I'd get concerned yeah Jim I mean I'm, I'm working on a piece just now about just about how Saints can get at Celtic and if they haven't conceded lots of goals in in the top flight this season but I've gone through them all and the vast majority of them are from cross balls, whether that's either an open play or, or set pieces, that is the that is the obvious route for Saints to to get to get joy in this game. You know, they've got clever players. You can imagine you can picture a scenario, Booth Wotherspoon, you know, cutting it back for Booth cutting it back for Wotherspoon to to drop one into the back post, that sort of thing. You can see that scenario happening. A bit disappointed it's a Disappointment that Cammy McPherson can't play because he's cup tied from from his St Mondays because his his uh, corners have looked particularly effective. So it's going to fall to others to do that. But you know that is the obvious route for St Johnson, isn't it? And like you say, get Big Rooney up and in the back post again. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, you know, the the, the physical element that Sean Rooney brings to. Um, to the game and, and the pressure he puts on opposing defences is, is, is well known. Um, it requires, <clears throat> uh, there's a couple of things about it, I've come with the kind of notion of mobility at the moment because that slightly concerns me up against Celtic. But I mean, well, you've you, got to get you, up you, the pitch, you, haven't you? Yeah, you've got, got to get up the pitch. That, that's, the, that's the thing. You've got to get up the pitch. If you're delivering from kind of, you know, not set plays, if you're delivering from from free and open play, you've got to get your players up the two flanks, you know, to get the get the ball in the box. You've got to get Rooney up there as well, you know, if you're if you're talking about kind of getting them in for, you know, the high ball and <clears throat> the headed the headed goal and all the rest of it, you know. Um, you've got to do that. Um, other than that, and, and, and very probably Celtic will dominate in terms of possession because they do have very, very good football players. Um, other than that, what you're looking to do is you've got the pitch to win free kicks in and around the kind of, you know, the 30-yard out mark. So you can bomb them in, you know, play them in, play good, uh, you know, pacey, curling balls and all the rest. Again, for Rooney Butlers as well, but mainly you, you would think for Rooney. Um, <clears throat> now, in terms of the, the first element, you know, in, in terms of both elements, you've got to go to the pitch. But it is a slight concern because Celtic do, I think one of the things that has impressed me about them this season is there's a, there's a lovely movement um, about Celtic. There's a silkiness about them. You know, there's a lovely touch, a give and a go. Um, well, Keogh goes a class kind of, act, isn't he? And, absolutely. And Jota as well. Absolutely, Jota. I mean, you you know, you saw that in the, um, their display against Dundee. Although in saying that, there, there is, you know, for Saints, there is... Um, 
there's an element there where they must surely take uh, optimism because Dundee were able to pierce them twice through Mullen and, and, and Ashcroft, you know. So they they, they are a, a they are a team who can and do con- concede goals, uh, but they also have goals in them, and they're starting. I do sense that they're starting to fire now under under uh, Ange Postecoglou, you know. But um, but there there is good movement. I mean, you know, McGregor and Turnbull in that midfield are, are slick players. They've got good engines in them. Uh, Jota and Furahashi are, 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 are terrific players. There's no doubt about it. There's no getting away from that. But at the back, I think um, maybe a slightly different kettle of fish. I mean, I think they are, they are undoubtedly um, Saints, you know, could, could pierce them. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, it, it's whether or not um, they, they can get up that that, that part often enough to get decent supply and although it only takes one <laughs> only takes one good ball in the box and somebody got on the end of it you know the problem with Celtic is you know to, to a great extent Celtic historically are the club who almost take the view we don't care how many you score we'll score one more uh, and I think that's that's the danger so set, set plays probably um, since uh, best hope in this particular one, Eric. But, you know, I mean, there is, as you know, we said earlier on, there's nothing, there is absolutely nothing fragile about this St. Johnson side. This St. Johnson side, they've got plenty of talent, plenty of ability, and they're mobile as well. You know, they're slick enough as well, and there are one or two um, pace merchants in the team as well. So, uh, you know, uh, on balance, Celtic are a better side. I mean, of course they're a better side. I mean, Celtic pay guys, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 pounds a week. Um, so, by and large, they, they, along with, you know, their counterparts, Rangers, will always be the two big sides in Scottish football, but but they can be matched, they can be beaten on the day. And with Saints having, you know, two cup successes under their belt already in such a short space of time, I don't think anybody would be surprised if they were, you know, you wouldn't be shocked. You know, it might be a surprise to some if if they want it. But there's there's the ability in that Saints side, I think, to um, tactically nullify Celtic. You know, Callum Davidson's smart enough and his players are intelligent enough to know what's needed on the day. But it does require that they 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 get up the part. They you know that they win a fair degree of possession or they win some good. Um, you know, free kick opportunities, corner kick opportunities whatsoever, uh, and, and and get the, well, I was going to say the big men, but the big man, probably, um, on the end of it. So, uh, it certainly won't be easy, but they're, they're in with a, a very good show, I think. Just to wrap it up, Sean, we'll pick, we'll pick Callum's team for him. Um, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. The options, options are limited. I, th- I think the way I see him possibly going, there's only really one position in the back five if you want to call it that that's the talking points the right-sided center half F.A. Ambrose has drifted out I don't I, I would be surprised if he suddenly comes I, for me I think the guy that's going to emerge maybe not this weekend I've got a feeling that Lars Dendonker is going to emerge as the as the as the one for there he seems to have he had a, he had a wee injury there but it seemed like he was nudging it beyond uh, Hayden Muller and you know with F.A. Ambrose dropping out but He's got the option, and it's in the back of my mind that for this one, because remember what he did against Rangers. You know, James Brown played the the right side, yeah. centre half, because he's, he's that's he's, exactly what I was away. He's yeah, yeah. he's not as tall. He's he's quick on the turn, and when you're thinking about Kyogo, that's probably Kyogo and, and and Jota. That I could see that happening. Middle of the park, it's for me. Like I say, Cammy McPherson. That's a loss. I think Murray Davidson has to play just because he's the he's the one that's likeliest to be the most combative and get get up and down. So I suspect it will be Davidson and Bryson, Chris Kane. His options are limited, obviously, with Middleton and May. So you're looking at Chris Kane and then the the two. It's just a case of 
does he now go? I think he has to go, David Wotherspoon, just purely because one of the, we're talking about the corners there. You know, he's the he's the he's the man that will take the right foot corners, and I I suspect it will probably be Michael O'Halloran back up in in a forward position. Would you would you argue with that team, Sean? No, which doesn't make for a very interesting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's garbage, by the way. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't I, think I, of I mean, possibly, possibly a diff, possibly Ali Crawford in the instead of Michael Halloran or even mm, other spoon. You yeah. want pace, though, don't you? You want you want somebody that can stretch it. So, well, O'Hall- O'Halloran, I think, I think he, he against. Uh, Against a team like Celtic, where you're not going to have loads of possession, he at least gives you that Again, option. You go back, yeah, you go back to that Rangers game, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, I think he, if it was up to me, I, I think he plays. Um, I mean, the one that, that that seems to have captured the imagination over the last few weeks is obviously Vertinen, and that's down to the fact that we've not seen him. But I mean, I don't I don't think there's any chance at all that he starts. None whatsoever. Absolutely not. It was the it was the the sort of you know you, you Callum's been asked about him at different stages of his sort of without him playing and a def it was his he, I can't remember the exact quote but he said look he is definitely going to get starts so I don't but like you Sean I suspect it will probably be the weekend after at the, at the earliest against Hibsies but I, I do expect if Saints are are chasing the game I think he will get mm-hmm. on in this one. And yeah, you know, yeah, they do, they do, and I, th- I think it is going to happen <laughs> soon, but not, he's not going to start. You don't suddenly start your no. first game in a League Cup semi final, no. and, and, and also, again, another reason why, why Chris Kane is a shoe in is, is for what, for what a sort of a twist on what we've just said about O'Halloran. Kate, what Kane gives you is a chance at winning all these free kicks that Jim you mentioned before. That, that are going to be important if Saints are, are going to look to score goals. If you're playing to get crosses in the box and if you're playing to have Sean Rooney at the back post and Liam Gordon in the middle of the six-yard box, what have you, you've got to have the opportunity to put these balls in and get those bodies up there. So you're going to need to win these free kicks and that's what Chris Caton does better than anybody uh, in that team. So there's there's absolutely no way um, that he doesn't start that match. He's, in fact, he... he you'll be pivotal to what happens as far as St. Johnson are concerned in attacking sense. So, yeah, he, he starts Vertinen. Again, he's just going to have to continue to be patient, isn't he? Um, and and I, I do feel a bit sorry for the lad um, because, I mean, for various reasons, but also he's he's, he's come over from a, a foreign country. Actually, Callum Davidson touched on this to an extent. It's difficult because he's come over from a foreign country. The language is it's not a big barrier because we've heard him talking and, and, and of course he can speak English like a lot of people. And well, I was going to say Scandinavia, but Finns might say they're uh, not Scandinavian. Yeah, but anyway, yes. let's not get into All those weeds. Um, but he, of course he can speak the language to, to an extent, but he's, he's still come over from a foreign country. He's a young lad. You know, he's he's, he's not playing the football that, that he, he would have hoped to play when he came over. Um when he came over, he would have watched the European games. He would have got all excited about that. Well, that seems and like uh, years and ago. he just hasn't he, he hasn't had a sniff apart from that appearance against Rangers. Um, so I, I, I do feel sorry for him. And as I've said, I, I watched him on the warming up against Dundee United at Tannerice, where, where I was there in the, in the away end, and I could see the frustration in his face when when Stevie May got called in to go on as the as the last of the three subs of that day. Um, he was he was upset about it. Um, 
and I can understand why. So, I mean, all, all we can do is take Callum Davidson at his word. You know, it'll come for him, but but this weekend is um, is not the one for him to be starting. Right, well, Jim, talking of uh, players coming in from foreign countries, we United signing out of out left field. Eh? That one, I mean, he was a name that was in that was in the the courier back in the, the end of the summer when he, I believe he came over for a, for a trial spell. I take it you've you've done your homework. Or Matthew 1T, are we saying Kudjo? I don't know. Kudjo, I'm a Kudjo, I'm it? saying. But, uh, you have, you have done your homework by. then. Eh? You've been watching the footage. You, Kujo, I, I see yeah. our Former colleague. Bayern Munich training. He yes, must be good. we like that. We like that. <laughs> and Ewan Smith says he's, he'll, he'll bring a touch of flair. We like that as well. Oh, is that what the, uh, he, looks, he looks a lefty from, from the YouTube uh-huh. clips I've seen. So it's, he's been played... You know, right up your street there as well, Jimmy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. He's ticking all the boxes. Is this what United need? A, a touch of a project signing? Do you think, or a or a straight into the first team? Well, it'll not be straight in the first team if you, we're talking about E2 for Tynan's work permit. Let's hope uh, it doesn't take as long to, to get this young bad sorted out. But is, do you see it as a guy that's that's a project, a long term signing, or somebody to to improve the first team straight away? Well, I mean, I, I th- he's 18, that's the first thing. So, you know, the, the mentality often in Scotland is, uh, well, he's only a boy. I mean, I, I'm a great believer if you're old enough, you're good enough, you know. I mean, I saw, I mean, I think he'd, he'd uh, he signed from a site called Young Apostles, wasn't it? You know, so uh, he like may that well too, be a blessing you? for United, you know. Um, I, <laughs> I mean... The, the the bottom line is, is is quite simple. I mean, United. I mean, so far you cannot quibble with United signings. You know, in, in recent times, I mean, they've made some terrific signings. You know, among them, uh, two of the guys who are instrumental, I think, in in, in, the, in the defeat the other week, i.e., through their absence. You know, uh, Dylan Levitt and uh, and Charlie Mugru had to go off. You know, so um, you're unfortunately, their best signings are on loan, and they're not going to make money out no, of them. Not, not, not that, 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 that's true, and and it may well be that. that well, I, I never mind. May well be. My presumption will be that this is uh, behind United's thinking. And and, and 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 the signings are making. They want to make money. You know, they want United to uh, to sign players to to sell on to 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 make money. That's a simple fact. That's a kind of a simple fact of life. You know, um, so. He's, I mean, he's he's described. I always worry when I see people described as prodigies, you know. But he, he is, uh, he is, he is kind of, you know, talked about in terms of being a prodigy. Um, you can only wait and see. I mean, he's, you know, he's a Ghana under twenty African Cup of Nations winner. Um, and I, mean, I, I know that's the usual. There's international clearance to be got there, but I presume they've, they've done their homework, and that will be a pretty much, um, you know, a fait accompli. So. Uh, he, he comes with, I mean, we've all seen YouTube stuff and all the rest of it, but he comes with the kind of notion of being quick and, and speedy, uh, athletic and, 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 you know, a smart kind of, a smart player. I don't, I don't think by and large you go on, uh, you go on uh, trial. I mean, if you and I were writing to, you know, to Bayern Munich asking for a trial, I don't think we would necessarily just kind of take us in, you know. So, I mean, I think you've got to have something yourself, about you to Jim, get a, to get a trial um, uh, there. So, you know, Anim Kujo, is he the next big kind of star to emerge at Tarnadice? Well, let, let's hope so. I mean, that's that's all. And the fact that he's eighteen, only, only um, you know, only the sporting director and the coach will know um, in terms of what they've seen. Whether he's one, you know, that, that will be getting pitched in very quickly. Uh, first, into the first time, Jim. Sorry, you Jim. First time, I think. Uh, 
I've known a Dundee United press release with a sporting director or an equivalent quoting Brexit. There we go. Opportunities presented by Brexit. There we go. The world has. I mean, I think you know. We all know kind of what there's going to be a, you know, a change situation in terms of freedom of movement or the rest of which affects football um, as it affects and will affect every other area of life. You know, so. The, the, the game's an international one, anyhow, Eric. You know, I mean, it's. Um, I mean, United. You know, United can go way back uh, in terms of kind of the early Scandinavians under Jerry Kerr. United and Morton were the two were the two clubs that kind of uh, made very early forays into the continental market. This is going to be a bit wider, but United have always been like this. United, you know, under Jim McLean, United were signing guys from Argentina and. Um, you know, and further afield. Well, no, that's much further afield than Argentina, right? It's about 10,000 miles away. But I'm not, I think Ghana's maybe about 7,000 miles away. I'm not entirely oh, sure. You're putting yourself on the spot. You're opening <laughs> yourself up to mockery <laughs> here, Jim. <laughs> well, indeed, it might be anywhere between seven and 14,000 miles. I would hazard a guess. I was, I was out for, <laughs> for lunch with a, 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 a big pal of mine who's, who's Nigerian the other week. Um, uh, I, I, you know, he will have a much better idea of the geography oh, of Africa. You're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get Twitter <laughs> mentions from geography teachers yeah, across I, exactly. I'm digging a hole here. It was, it was never my strong point, you know. But um, no, I mean, I, 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 you know, I think the thing is this. I mean, I think everyone will look forward to seeing him. I always say this, Eric. I mean, fo- football ultimately, you know, football is about tribalism and community, but it's also about bread and circuses. You you go along, you know. We all work, whether we're journalists or lawyers or lorry drivers or bricklayers or whatever, you know, we, we go along for 90 minutes on a Saturday or midweek to kind of throw our cares off and, and and be entertained by guys that are doing something that we all would have loved to have uh, done. A bit of mystery, a bit of, they love a bit of mystery, a bit like of intrigue, this, yeah. you know, kind of, uh, a bit of Agatha Christie in there, you know, who done it, you know, who, who might do it, you know. Yeah. So, Where are we going now? <laughs> let, let's hope that, you know, let's hope that he is the man, Matthew Cujo, who, who, who might just do it. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think it's, it gives, it's, it's a, there's a wee kind of continental continental flavour but there's something different you know a bit of excitement being you know a top club in Germany on trial you know um, the under 20 kind of link you know where he's been very successful um, it's 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 quite kind of uh, um, you know it's quite exciting I think so you know but but who knows I mean you know, he could be one of these guys that, that, that turns up and it just never works for him he could come and absolutely set Tannadice alight you know but as I say working on the track record so far of what United have done I, I don't have they made a bad signing. I don't think they have in recent times, you know. So um, th- th- they're doing something right in terms of their homework, in terms Dylan of their video analysis. Dylan Powers, well, well, yeah, well, okay. Um, but I mean, by and large, I mean, you know, the, the, the signings have been excellent. There's been nothing to quibble about. So th- that's all you can do. You can only point to the evidence previously and think, okay, they've been on the right tracks with all of that. Nothing to suggest that they're not doing the same here. Just uh, I've been a bit harsh on Dylan Powers there, maybe Sean. Maybe I'm not actually. It didn't. He didn't look very good to me. But anyway, it does seem that no, you're not. Kind of a broader point. I remember, you know, when it was Dylan Powers, Sporrell, Harks. We seem to think United were going to be going down. You know, they were making a big thing about the American market. The focus focus seems to have mm. shifted. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Well, by the way, how far is America away? By the way, Sean, just just thought. How far is it away? Yeah, how many miles or Jim? You gonna give, give us a give us a just to continue the geography theme? How how far away is what? America. 
Amer- oh, America is 3,000 miles from coast to coast. Oh, see, I knew you'd know that. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah. carry on, Sean. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Jim, you're actually, you're fine. Ghana and Nigeria are very close as well. There's, there's only a couple of hundred miles between them. Well, so. I, I, should, I, should, I should ask Michael that we're out for dinner, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you've, you've said before that... Uh, <laughs> The the signings themselves, ninety percent of them, if not if not higher, have been have been good. Um, in the last little while, uh, successful, you might say, rather than good. Um, so, I absolutely no reason to think that this one will be any different. I mean, you at, at that point, if you've got a hit rate like that, we've discussed this. You 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 get the benefit of the doubt if you're bringing players in. Um, and it, and it is one that they've. He's a player that they've been looking at for quite a while, um, because I know from back in the, the, as you said, the late summer when when sort of trailed that this was possible, um, that he at that time he was one that they'd been watching for a while, but there there were significant amounts of sort of bureaucracy and red tape to kind of navigate at that point, so. It didn't look like a certainty, but he was certainly one they were interested in. So, the fact that it's taken, you know, a good few months to get to this point would suggest to me that there's been a a lot of work done in the background to sort of navigate that that bureaucracy, and they're obviously now at a point where they're confident that it, it's it's a formality. So, but as we know, I mean, for formalities uh, when it comes to work permits can take quite a while. It would appear, given because Vertinen was the one you cited, but Niskanen as well, he had to wait. Uh, both of those players finish. Um, oh, Q, he's no finish. He's twenty seven. Joke, but there you go. Um, the, the, this this kid's getting in. So <laughs> and the old auntie, yeah. So I was half asleep there when you uh, fired that one. And the old auntie, <laughs> the old auntie near me one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this kid's getting in. I don't think we've got a joke for that, do we? No. Um, so I don't know what the the situation is between governments or what have you. Uh, but I think we do. I think Ghana is a former British colony uh, and part of the Commonwealth. So yeah, well, you're leaving yourself is... open now as well, Sean. You see, you know, stick to the foot. No, I think you're correct. No, no, I think. But I, so I think you, there, there would be some sort of a, some sort of historic kind of path to follow um, along uh, work permit lines from between the two countries. So uh, yeah, it's it's at the point where where they've obviously done their homework and he'll be coming in. So uh, will he will will he be a success? Well, we don't know that, but. Every single chance, given how long they've pursued him and given the hit rate of what they've had before. Right, Dundee United against Aberdeen, Jim. Mm. Stephen Glass's homecoming. Big United fan? Or, or well, Steve, I think Stephen was. I mean, certainly, I know his brother Jimmy. Jimmy's a Jimmy's a big Arab. He's a he's a big big United fan. Um, so I, I, I think that they were. Uh, you never know in Dundee. They are divided families, but I suspect that they. You know, I'm pretty sure Stephen was a, a United man. Like a lot of people, he's a professional football player from a very young age, and that kind of tends to kind of you know um, very often guys don't get a chance to go to games because they're playing and all the rest of it. But I think he does. But um, his team was improving, weren't they? But then they got absolutely. Uh, yeah, a setback uh, against Motherwell. Yeah. Against Motherwell, that's right. Um, 
I, I, you know, I, I'm kind of torn on this. I mean, I, I, I'd be, I, I always like to see the Dundee boys doing well. And I've got a soft spot for the Dons. I like to see them doing well. Obviously, you'd want to see United doing better. That, that, that is, that's the issue, given we're uh, local here. But I mean, they, they certainly they came unstuck against uh, Motherwell when it looked as though they'd actually turned uh, the corner. But they were undone very quickly within, you know, Van Veen with two goals uh, within, a, well, I think it was a seven minute period or something yeah, like that. Like you know, him to, as a player, to, by to, uh, to, to undo them. So, uh, I mean, I think. Um, um, it's, it's a bizarre one because when you look at um, Aberdeen, I mean, on, on the face of it, they, they've got a, a very, a very talented side indeed. I mean, any, any side be brown in it, you know. I mean, he might not have the legs that he had at one time, but you know, he's still a, a great competitor and an organizer and all the rest. That McGeech, I like in midfield, Lewis Ferguson, I like Ojo, I, I've seen in, the, in his tidy, you know, and, and uh, Ramirez up front is lively. Watkins, I always like Watkins, you know. I mean, they, they look, they, they look like a kind of decent side. And they looked as though they were kind of maybe turning that corner a wee bit. Um, uh, but then, you know, I, I'm not sure that anyone expected United to take 5-2 um, at Hearts. It's, it's, it's going to be that kind of league, I think, um, where there are up and down results. Uh, uh, the, the key issue here, I think, is that I suppose it depends who, you know, not who needs the result uh, most because they both need the result. You know, if you're a professional football player or manager, you need the result every week. Um, but the Dons are six points adrift of United. And I don't think at this stage in the season... You know, as you said at the start of the season, you know, by the time we get to kind of game, this will be game 14, uh, you know, that Dundee United will be sitting six points ahead of Aberdeen. I'm not sure many people would have bought that. Um, But that's where we are. And of course, if United win this one, that gap becomes a nine-point gap. And and that piles further pressure on on those who, you know, who are having a go at Stephen and and also at David Cormack, who, you know, and I think a lot of that's unfair because he's put a fortune um, into the club. But welcome to, to Scottish football, you know, um, from United's perspective, uh, you know, that what I've just said there stands. I mean, a huge, a huge game for them, you know, if, if they're to win uh, this one and suddenly, you know, open a nine point gap between them and Aberdeen at this, uh, well, as we're in the second quarter of the season, I think would, would hugely hearten. United fans, because, you know, traditionally since the McLean-Ferguson days, there has been this element of the new firm. Now, we know they've not been the new firm for a long time. You know, both clubs have been up and down. United have been out of the league and all the rest of it. But there is that that kind of, that sense of romance, that sense of achievement from the past still kind of lingers. They're still, they are still two of the top six big clubs in, in Scottish football. Uh, and, and there is still also a great and a very healthy rivalry um, be, between the two of them. Uh, but just when Aberdeen looked as though they were getting back on track, they get knocked off their Perched by Motherwell, who are also a very fine side. Um, uh, so, you know, th- there's a great chance here, I think, for United. Uh, and I'm hoping, I have to say, that Mulgrew and Levitt are both, both going to make it back from, in- from injury because I think they showed just a- how absolutely yeah. important <laughs> uh, the, uh, the importance of both of them to, to that United squad. You know, so I mean, it's one that I'm, I mean, I'll be there on Saturday, one that I'm keenly looking forward to. It's always a great game between the two of them. Um, actually, I haven't had a look at the odds. I'm not sure who's favourite. I'm, I'm kind of assuming that United might be United slight favourites, you know. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. And Sean, I think uh, we're, it's, a, it's a boring old topic about, you know, a good time for an international break, bad time. But I think in United's case, it was a definite, it felt like a, a, the, the right time for a, not a reset, but just, you know, things were starting to, you know, that was, it was a couple of bad, that's a bad performance against St. Johnson, but, you know, it was it wasn't great, at, and it was a it was a sort of as Jim alluded to, it was a bit of a 
strange type of a game at Hearts that you know they ended up getting steamrolled a bit towards the end, but it did feel like a wee a good time for a wee pause for them and. It's, it's a it's, you know you get a few crossroads games of a season. This feels like this feels like one of them for me, John. You know it kind of if they lose this to Aberdeen, all of a sudden the the narrative does change quite significantly, doesn't it? For as far as United are concerned, win it and all of it, then you, it it all sails smoothly along as you know the fourth best team, possibly third, all that sort of thing. You know it's it's a it's a big game this one, isn't it? Well, it is, yeah. Um, uh, I think the nature of the, the performance will, will, will be important, not beyond the result, but uh, but I, I mean, I do tend to think, like, let's let's say they they were to lose it narrowly, for instance, but but play very well, then I, I, I mean, I don't think that the United fans will lose hope. I think they'll they'll stay with that side because I think they've seen enough so far this reason to give them uh, this reason this season uh, to give them reason. Uh, to believe that there's good work going on there, um, and certainly, I mean, the, the the two games that they've lost against St Johnston and Hearts, I mean, they, they they did play really well in the second half against St Johnston, and Xander Clark was the difference really. Um, and I mean, you could argue that maybe the finishing could have been better as well. But Xander, let's give him the credit. Uh, if not for him, they they could have won that game quite comfortably. Um, Hearts obviously a wee bit of a different story, and it did run away from them at the end. But that's at that point, you know, you've lost Levitt's out the side anyway. But then you lose Mulgrew at half time there, and we've all spoken about what a key player he's been this season, along with Levitt. And if you've got neither of them, then you know you're you're up against it. If you if that's your position, you find yourself in halfway through a game. So if those guys come back against Aberdeen, which Tom Court seems to be indicating that they've got a chance of doing. Then you've effectively got a strong Dundee United side there, or, or, or as strong as you would you would think it can be at this point in time. Um, so they've got every chance. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure. I haven't seen both. I think United are a better team than Aberdeen. You know, if, yeah. if like you say, if they have if they have their key men in there, which you'd say mm-hmm. with any team. Yeah, and and I suppose actually a wee bit similar to Vertina and St Johnson, the one that that United fans might be looking at. And results have maybe, you know, it, it takes away the clamour a little bit, I think. But after a couple of defeats, and, and again, as I said, the United fans might question some of the finishing against St. Johnston. There, there, there does start to be a wondering about where's where's Max Biamu? Why have we not seen him yet? Um, so I wonder if there's a chance that he, he might he might see some action this weekend, actually. Because if you, you think you get a chance to put him on and... He's a big lad, obviously. He's a physical lad, and roughing up David Bates and Ross McCrory a wee bit. That's not a bad. Uh, that's not a bad weapon to have in your arsenal. I don't I, think. I kind of suspect Biama's been a fair bit from fitness, Sean. Eh? Um, and and you know they kind of they need to get him up to. I mean, I know that sometimes you know it's easy to kind of make that Well, he'll, he'll not have done a pre-season, no, will he? will not have done a pre-season. And, 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 and you know, so, so there's the kind of actual kind of core fitness that you need to work on that everybody needs at any kind of, any sporting level. And then there's the match fitness, that actual sharpness where kind of, boom, you know, the, the brain explodes trying to get the grips with the kind of, you know, the explosive kind of pace around the book. Yeah, and that can, that can take a fair bit of time as well. And that comes in, you know, in, in, in practice and training sessions, but also then comes at the extra time because I don't, I don't care what anybody says that, you know, that, 
training never replicates the real thing, you know. So um, I, I think they're obviously trying to kind of get them up to speed in terms of match, uh, core fitness, match fitness, and, 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 and mental fitness as well, I think, is a, is a key thing, you know, uh, dealing with all of that. I mean, but it will be interesting. I mean, we're looking forward to seeing, um, you know, he comes, I mean, he, could be, he comes with kind of a bit of baggage, good baggage, you know, that kind of uh, a bit of a... A, a bit of a celebrity um, where he was down at Coventry and all the rest of it, but um, it's it's not really so much celebrity. United need they need somebody to lead the line, put the ball in the back of the net, and of course McNulty, McNulty's missing, so they need somebody who can kind of ally to to Clark um, uh, up front. Uh, and whether he's the man or not, again, only only time will tell. A few of the, the start again. A few of the United old boys making the headlines, Sean. I mean, obviously John Suter being top of the pile, but. You know, I think this weekend it's you've got the we've got Johnny Russell v Ryan Gold in, the, in an MLS playoff. It's you know three players who are who are fondly remembered from their their times at Tanadice and and doing big things. I sometimes actually think we, maybe maybe John Souter gets I'm not saying a tougher time, but he doesn't. He certainly you know Ryan Gold's you know is putting a pedestal, and obviously Johnny Russell as well. Do you think that's by by United fans? Do you think that's possibly because John Souter basically went to a club that United think is their equal and he's still doing his thing in, in Scottish football. Possibly to an extent, but I, I, I do think it, it, he's actually, John Souter is unfairly, I think, because clearly he's a, he's a terrifically talented football player. And but I think three of them are great guys. You know. Oh, absolutely. And, and yes, no, absolutely. Nobody can have any criticisms of them on, on the personality front. They're all really, really decent people. Uh, as well, so it's nothing to do with that. But I do think that that John Souter, in particular, is is probably un- unfairly tainted uh, by having been a part of that period under Jackie McNamara, where it turned um, rather than rather than when it was in full flight, which everybody loved, and Ryan Gold was there. Johnny Russell left early on. They, they got out at the right time. On. That's what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I think that that. They, they they can they're untainted by association with that period when it when it turned against United under Jackie McNamara and it got it all got a bit toxic, and John Souter was was playing a lot uh, at that time um, in different and there was positions. A lot of pressure on him, still, still trying different to find positions. Him. Absolutely not always at centre half. He was put about a bit because he was a, a, a guy who could who was comfortable with the ball at his feet, who could play, but at the same time he was still very very young. And I think there was a lot of pressure on him at that point. And because of the general climate around United and the struggles they were having, I think that there, there was a bit of a an exasperation towards John Souter amongst the United fans at that point because of the general situation. So I, I, I think there's still an element of that hanging about. I mean, they might well dispute that, uh, but I, I, I still think there's a bit of that Um with John Souter and the Hearts thing's maybe an element to it as well because if you're at a United you look at Hearts and, and, and if you're a United fan a diehard you might look at Hearts and go well pff, what have they done that we haven't um, you know and you could you could take issue with that if you like but I, I, that can certainly be a factor but I do think I do think the, the biggest part of the problem of, of John Souter's legacy if you like at Dundee United is, is the fact that he, he was unfortunate enough to be part of a team that was that was really struggling and and he at that time was struggling himself a bit. I think. Yeah, do you, do you agree with that one, Jim? 
Oh, I mean, listen, I'm, a, I'm a fan of both the both the boys, and I mean, I have a, a blather with her dad, Jack. Occasionally, we have a, a crack on the phone. He's a great football man, you know. Um, and I mean, John, John played. John played seventy three games um, for United, you know. Uh, as a, as a, a is he still man. is he still the youngest ever to play for them? Sixteen. Oh no, it was between him and, and Daly at one stage, wasn't it? I mean, I I, I don't know Eric as, as as the answer off the top of my head, you know. But I mean, I I I'm a fan, you know. I mean, I think he's he's not only a physically strong player. I think he's a smashing player as well. I think he's a kind of cool, calm kind of player under uh, under pressure. He's a kind of ball-playing defensive player that we don't see that often, you know, uh, 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 in, in our game, you know. Um, and I think, look, the United he's a professional football player. I think people forget this. I mean, you know, it's all very well talking about, you know, club loyalty and community and all that. The bottom line is, you know, Football players are, are are people who play the game for a living. They play for 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 their livelihood. Yes, they love the sport. They might well love the club that are at and all the rest. Of it, but they've got you know they, they move on eventually. Very very few players stay at clubs for their entire uh, their entire history. And uh, I mean that 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 was a particularly grim time um, at United. You know you had you had fans who certain fans groups who were at war with, with, with Stephen Thompson, the chairman. Stephen Thompson, the chairman. I get the impression that he never you know he was a United man, but he never. I never ever thought he, that Stephen had the passion for the club. Well, he didn't have the passion for the club, but his father had. His father was kind of obsessed uh, with, with the club, you know. Um, it, it was just, it, it was all round the way things developed about the Jackie McNamara story, the fact that he was on a percentage of transfer fees. That it was just, a, there was a, 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 there was a, a, you know, surrounding the club at that time was a real, there was a malevolence to be blunt. It, it was a, it was a malevolent time to for anything to do with United, and it just got darker and darker and darker. Um, those days are gone. You know, there's, there's a much brighter future. And I, I know that there are still people stirring the pot in the background about what's going on, who's doing that, and people running the show for themselves and all the rest of it. You know, that, frankly, you know, I, I say to people now, as I always did, Dundee is a private football club. Most most clubs are private football clubs. Owners are entitled to do what they want with that. You know, but from the John Souter kind of perspective, John, I think, gave United, I don't think he was a boy who ever gave them any less than 100%. Um, he was there at an awkward time for the club generally, um, and I, I think you know he, he, he's a lad with a terrific future in the game. So you know, fair play to him and, and, and good luck to him. He does. No, listen, I was at Hampden, and he absolutely. It was no surprise that he looked to the manner born. You know, and a lot was made of the fact that he he's bulked up a lot. You know, and I think uh, from speaking to you just mentioned there from speaking to to Jack through the week, he says a lot of that. He says yes, he did, but he did go to the gym a lot between his second and his third. Uh, sorry, or after you know he had his his third uh, Achilles operation, but he said a lot of that's just the fact that yeah he's 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 getting older, you know he's grown into his body type thing. So he's he is calm as you, calm as you want. You just hope he just gets a a bit of luck with with the injuries. And you know, is he? I, th- I think it's a huge decision he's got now. Whether he signs a new contract with Hearts or whether he thinks now's the time to go down, so I tend to think, gosh, who am I to say don't don't move and take your chances? He does feel like he maybe, I don't know, another year, but at Hearts wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. But it's a very very tough one, isn't it, Jim? Mm-hmm. You know, I, don't, well, I, mean, I wouldn't he, like, he, wouldn't like jo- to call that. Yeah, John was you know he's twenty five now, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean, I I, I think uh, he's an experienced player. I think. I mean, 
as always, Eric, I mean, he's been on the end of, as you say, some some unfortunate injuries. Some players go through their careers with hardly any. Some players get kind of, you know, double dunts. I mean, so he's had that to think about. Um, what you've also got, I mean, he'll, he'll be earning good money with Hearts, but he'll not be earning life-changing money with Hearts. If he gets a move south of the border, depending where he goes, he could be, uh, in fact, I mean, let's be blunt, even at championship level uh, in England, he will be on life-changing money. You know, guys are going down to the championship. But his brother is, so he'll know, exactly. he'll know yeah. the wage pocket is. Um, Absolutely, that, that's right. You know, so I mean, guys in England are, 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 are in the Championship are earning routinely a million quid a year. So you go down there and you get a three a three year contract, uh, and then another one, then then you've done very well. So it's, I, I know that I know it's not just about the money. But it is about the money as well. They are professional athletes. Particularly when you've had the injuries he's had, he's going to think, you know, this, this, he literally knows this could be a short career. Yes, uh, uh, absolutely. And, and, and he is, you know, I mean, you know, he is, uh, you know, my view on, on, you know, people attaching veteran labels and all that. I I think we've got a mentality in this country, well, he's 30, you know, that's him heading towards the end of his career. I mean, I'm a great believer that. Staying injury-free or relatively injury-free, keep yourself fit. Guys can play until they're 35, 36, 36, depending on their body, depending on their, their physical makeup and their luck and all the rest of it. So, you know, hopefully, you know, the likes of John's got another good 10 years ahead of him. Um, you just never know. Um, but if he wants to play at, at the highest level he can, um, then I, I think he has all the ability in the world to certainly go beyond Scotland and do that. And that's, you know, that's not t- the modern uh, idiom is talking Scotland down. That's not talking us down. We know where we are in the greater scheme of things at the moment. Our top league is not nearly as good as the top league in England because the top league in England is about one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world in terms of quality of players and all the rest of it. Now, could he go and play at the premiership level? I don't know. There's plenty of Scots now that are doing that. Even if he didn't get a move there, he could go to the championship. Some fabulous clubs here. No want to chase him out the door at Hearts, but you know, if you've got ambition, you want to play in front of kind of big crowds, big stadiums, you know, glamour competitions and all the rest. Of it. And, and you know, the blunt truth is, we can't compete with that in, in Scotland. So if he got the chance to go to a big club, the right club in England, I think um, you know he would have to seriously uh, consider it. Yep. Well, Sean, just to finish off with. We focused on uh, Dunfermline's managerial hunt last week and they, they made an appointment not too long after we recorded the podcast, you know, and they kind of, I think they went to that, I'm not, not going to call John Hughes a middle-of-the-road candidate, but he, they kind of they ended up in that sort, of t- that sort of territory, didn't they? After, you know, that was one of the big discussion points we had on here was whether they go they go all in with a real sort of young coach that's going to work under the, the German model so to speak or they go for a you know a, a a renowned firefighter i think you can you can you can put john Hughes somewhere in between i think the re- the response seems to be you know when you everybody takes a step back reflects that thing oh that's a that's a you know a square peg for a for a square hole would you agree sean <laughs> uh, I, 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 yes um i mean i think it's 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 an it's not an admission, but I think it, it reveals an acceptance of the serious of their seriousness of their current situation, because obviously they've they've struggled all season without a win till he comes in, struggling at the bottom of the championship when they expected to be fighting up the top, and and it's so serious now that they're 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 in trouble. So um, I think bringing John Hughes in, who has a has a a, a really decent track record historically with a number of clubs yeah, and, different and levels. also yeah. at different levels and has also recently um, 
kind of spearheaded a, a, a fight back from a, a, a relegation battle uh, at Ross County, um, then it makes sense in that regard. Uh, and also, as, as Jim's touched on before, he's 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 not the the dinosaur, utter dinosaur that some paint him to be. Um, but I mean, I, I I should say also that it's uh, it's sparked terror into the hearts of a number of journalists though, who've, who've had run-ins <laughs> with him previously not, at other uh, clubs. Not, not, I Jim, think, uh, not Jim, Jim, Jim who, who bows to no man in his admiration of John Hughes. Well, I, I, I have yes, I have to say I've always gotten very well with we we shared we shared a, a life changing moment, Eric, on the the open top bus when Inverness won the cup. I think I mentioned this before, and as I was interviewing him for telly, we were almost decapitated by a low hanging branch in the middle of Inverness. Well, the outskirts a, of Inverness. There's a few journalists that have always been decapitated by John Hughes. <laughs> and well, Sean I, uh, no, I'm a fan of Yogi's, and I think he's a fan of mine. He admires my cherry red Doc Martens greatly every time we meet. You know, but no, but listen, well, that's, that's <laughs> funny because because. In all seriousness, this is the part that I'm alluding to fear. I'm sort of being a bit tongue in cheek, but if you look at if you look on Twitter, our colleague Alan Temple he posted yeah. uh, a wee, well, actually he was responding to somebody else um, who, who said after the announcement, somebody admitted that one of the journalists who, who I won't name admitted that uh, John Hughes once mocked his woolly hat in a post-match presser after Inverness, to which our, our colleague Alan Temple responded, are you even a journalist if John Hughes hasn't slagged your clothes? He said, I've had shoes and gilet. Latter, <laughs> absolutely no fair, to be honest. Oh. And then it's like a it's like a support group of journalists underneath it who've had their clothes slagged off by John a few, Hughes. A few, trem- a few had, trembling dictaphones. Eh? I had oh, one. Uh, did, this was when he was up at Inverness. He, uh, I went up to do a, press, a presser up there when he was manager. I was working for the Sunday Post at the time. And uh, I made the, in retrospect, clear error of wearing a maroon cardigan. <laughs> well, that's a good yeah. error on so many levels, Sean. But anyway, but literally, a, 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 well, quite almost literally, figuratively, a red rag taboo. There you go. And it was because he, he absolutely slaughtered me for that. And uh, I never saw, I never wore the cardigan again, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Clothes are a funny thing with managers, aren't they? I mean, I always remember when 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 John Bomber Brown was appointed at Dens. Um, you know, you, you, you were was, in the green cardigan, weren't you? <laughs> no, no, but the notion was kind of, you know, I, I'd actually said to him during the interview, I actually on reflection thought it was being live streamed. Fortunately, it wasn't because I'd said to him, John, you're described as old school. But and what I was what I was about to say was, you're described as old school. Even if you are, it's actually not a bad thing because there are many good qualities about being old school. <laughs> Before I could get there, he jumped in. Spencer, you're sitting there calling me old school with a pair of shoes like that, and 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 that camel camel coat like Arthur, it was something like Arthur Daly, Jaguar salesman, you know. <laughs> and I got slaughtered in front of the rest of the press. Now, as you know, I mean, I I uh, there's no much puts me up there down here in life. I have to say, my shoulders are burning up, but it was a bit of a minter, as as we say in Dundee, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I take it you, no doubt that you you'll have no doubts that uh, John Hughes will keep. They'll film it up, but will will he ultimately take them up, Jim? Well, um, uh, uh, not uh, not be this season. I mean, you know, you need to be a miracle worker. Oh, I, I, mean, I, think it's, <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't going to suggest. No, this no I mean, you need to be an absolute miracle worker to do that and a collapse of everybody else. But I mean, look, the bottom line is again, we were talking about United earlier on with a signing from Guinea. You can only look at previous evidence as, as as a guide to future performance. We know that in the financial world, they always say past performance is no guide to you know to future performance. You know that, but I mean, you know, you think back to Yogi going in your own coil at Falkirk when only left um, John got them up he got them promoted um, he, and he took them to the Scottish Cup final 
back in 2009. Hibs, he got, um, you know, he took Hibs into, into Europe, his first season in charge. I mean, at Inverness, you know, they won the cup, you know, at, uh, what do you call it, Ross County, he kept them up, having gone, I can't, I'm trying to remember exactly, I wrote it in my courier column last week, exactly how far off the pace they were when, when he got in, but he, he, he kept them up, they didn't go into playoffs and all the rest of it, you know. He seems to have been hung out to dry after a, 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 an admittedly fairly grim spell at Wraith Rovers in the three months he was in charge. Now, people who are close to him will tell you they were a basket club, a basket case when he went there. Um, I think, and, and I mean, I can always remember John when he lived in, when he was at Inverness, he used to cycle in to I think he had a cottage somewhere out in the, in the wilds and he cycled in every day. He was a big fit guy. He was heavily into sports science, sports psychology, mainly motivational speakers and all the rest of it. You know, the notion that John Hughes is some kind of antediluvian kind of dinosaur is an absolute load of garbage. You know, he, he is as modern as the next manager in life and he's a motivator. He's old school. He is, you know, tr- traditionally he's a kind of, he's a working class guy. He comes from a family in Leith. I think his old man was a was a docker, you know. He, he had a very good playing career. I mean, he, he wasn't Franco Baresi, but he similarly, he had almost 450 games as a, in a senior career and he's been about as a manager. And he's a great enthusiast, um, Eric. You know, I mean, had he been the type of guy that came in and he'd got clubs relegated right, left and centre, you'd be saying, what have they done? But actually, John Hughes's record holds, you know, pretty much holds comparison with, with, with a great many and is better than a great many in the game. So I think Dunfermline have made a really good choice. Yeah, I think I think to, I mean, it applies to all managers, isn't it? That, you know, they, they suit certain situations, roles, clubs, don't they? And I think it certainly applies to, to John Hughes, doesn't it? It just, you know, the, I mean, he has to be, he was... He was culpable at Wraith Rovers, you know. I think anybody that's covered that that beat and in that time, I remember I kind of covered it a bit, was that you know they were a club that they were they were certainly it was certainly a job that could be salvaged. You know, I think it was Gary Lockie took over from you know, so it wasn't like something that was totally spinning out of control. So you know, he has to, he definitely has to take a big share of the blame of what happened there. But it 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 didn't feel like the right his his the way he operates just jarred with everything that was happening there and it just it just didn't feel right did it but this I, this I, I does think- I think the key thing with John, John's John's 57 now, 57 is a new 47, you know, you always say you're knocking on a bit like as I am, but I mean I, I think he retains, and I certainly hope he retains what he had previously, as I say that great enthusiasm, that kind of great joy for the game, that great kind of motivational qualities, if that's gone that might be a different kettle of fish, but I, that's I mean, a big I, I part spoke, of his thing that's yeah, a big yeah, part of his routine, absolutely but, but you know, to, to be honest with you, Eric I mean, no matter how, see at the end of the day we, we can sit down and we can, you know in modern football, more. I mean, you know, I've follow everything on Twitter, training ground guru, some wonderful analytical stuff and all the rest of it. You know, the game has moved on dramatically, ultimately, ultimately. And I was, I, I was talking to a former professional football player just the other day who had a very successful career. And, and he made this point, ultimately, it doesn't matter how you look on it. At the end of the day, it all boils down to ability, desire, hunger. Having the, you know, having the skill, uh, ability, d- uh, hunger, desire, all of these things, application. If you've got these, you're 90% the way towards being a successful player, or manager, and uh, I, I, I actually, you know, I, I've thought quite a bit about this over the last week or so. I actually think John and Dunfermline could be a spectacularly good fit. I really do. They're, they're, a, they're a great club. They've got great infrastructure, a terrific stadium. You know, uh, they've got a great support base. If he gets them flying again, you know, there'll be four, four and a half thousand at East, at East End Park. There'll be more for big games, and you can start to build. that. I, I actually genuinely wonder if this might just be a spectacularly good 
um, fit together at his stage in the game uh, and at their stage where frankly they can almost fall no further if they fall any further down to where Falkirk is uh, if Falkirk are in the, in the League One it would be a disaster and I think the only way for them is up and I've got a, I just have a sneaky feeling and I may, I may be a million miles wrong I have a sneaky feeling that this could be a spectacularly good fit there we go We've got to finish on that note. There was me thinking we're going to peak. Unlike my cardigan. Yeah, that was going to say, there was me thinking we're going to peak with your maroon cardigan, but there we go. We'll have to. Have you still got those Doc Martens, Jim? Well, I've still got them. I've still got them. It was actually, I'll be honest with you, I was actually contemplating a pair of eight holers last week. It's the price of them now. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I have to put my collar rates up. Get, get a different. You can get all sorts of colours now, Jim. See what, see what, gift Yogi a text and see what he wants you I to was, get. Let's see what he recommends. Yeah, okay. Ah, well, brilliant. Cheers, guys, and thanks very much. And thank you very much for listening again this week. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.